Join me as I break down the NFC and AFC championship games, give you my thoughts on the Super Bowl, discuss Tom Brady's legacy, and talk about life after sports for athletes. This is 208 Sports Review. Let's get it rolling. What's going on, everybody? It's Shane Larson here from 208 Sports Review. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Before we get started today, I just want to say that I'm pleased to announce that my podcast is available on iTunes, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. Uh, If you want to download those mobile apps, um, Stitcher or Podcast Addict for most of the Android users, um, you can download that, subscribe to the podcast, and you can get notified every single time the episode's published. If you have an iPhone, just go to the iTunes store. You can go to the to the uh, podcast section, and you can find it there. I'd appreciate it if you could leave some reviews for me. Um, maybe share it with your friends and family if you like it. Uh, we can get the word out there so we can get this thing bumping. But, yes, it is available on all those networks, so you can find it there. Or you can go to my website at 208sportsreview.com under the podcast episodes section, and each one of the episodes has been uploaded there so that you can listen to it as well. You know what? We're going to get it started here for you, talking about championship weekend in the NFL yesterday. And the Falcons are red hot right now. How fun is that team to watch? They were the okay, we, we watched the most explosive offense take advantage of one of the most depleted secondaries that I've, I've ever seen make it that far in the playoffs. So, I mean, it wasn't a surprise that Matt Ryan absolutely torched the Green Bay defense, and that Julio Jones could not be stopped. He's a freak of an athlete. What was surprising, though, and what brings a a glimmer of hope for Atlanta in actually being able to win the big game in two weeks is their defense. Their pass rush got to Rodgers early and often, and that's something that the Giants and the Cowboys couldn't do. And the Falcons, they brought blitz packages. They got around the outside. They rattled Rodgers. They hit him when he would release the ball. And, I mean, they got it in his head. And it was it was expected to be a shootout from some people. Uh, some people wanted a shootout. They were like, oh, well, Rodgers will come down. Atlanta's defense can't stop him. And then Matt Ryan's going to do his thing. That's not what it was. Uh, Atlanta's defense showed up to play. And now they're in the Super Bowl. I'm going for the Falcons. I, I like this team. I'm excited for this team. I think they're, they're real, a real good team and a real good matchup against the Patriots. Speaking of the Patriots, is it a surprise that they took down the Steelers? Kind of. I thought the Steelers could have put up a fight, and I think, and I honestly thought they could win the game. And truly, if I look back at the game and look at the film, you can see that just a few possessions, especially those goal line stands, I mean, you turn those field goals into touchdowns, game's completely different. But the Steelers couldn't get it done. Uh, One of the brutal ones is, I believe it was the third quarter, Steelers had the ball like the half-yard line after they did the review. Originally, they called it a touchdown, and then they got the ball at the half-yard line, and I don't know what they're doing. They're trying to run it with the running back. You have Ben Roethlisberger, who is a monster. Just let him sneak the ball three times. I mean, it works on Madden. It should work work there, right? I mean, I don't know. That's just me speaking. I think that they had a chance at it. They, they had their shot, and they couldn't put the ball – across the goal line uh, in multiple occasions. It seemed like they they got down to the the five-yard line, and then all of a sudden they got scared. Um, Props to the Patriots, though. 
their secondary is a lot better than I had expected. Um, I thought they were just an offensive team too, but their secondary is, is their strong point on defense and there. This matchup coming up with uh, Butler and Jones. Let's let's keep an eye on that. Uh, Butler and Jones going at it in the Super Bowl. Let's see let's see who wins that one because I think that's going to be a pivotal matchup and it's going to be a, a game changer. Um, whoever can win that matchup between Jones and and Butler, I, I think that team wins the game. I really do. Uh, thing is, is you're gonna with the Patriots, you're gonna run into a team that's a little bit more well rounded especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt can run. Um, I mean, he's a tank. He can't go down. And the Falcons, yeah, they, they were able to bring those blitzes against the, the Packers because they didn't have to worry about a run game. So they're bringing the house, knowing there isn't going to be much of a run game. Uh, Patriots, you got Tom Brady and you got you got LeGarrette Blunt in short yard situations. I mean, he can't be stopped. So you're going to have to keep your eyes on, on uh, a couple of players there. It's going to be tougher on the Falcons. Here's my prediction, though. If the Falcons come out and play like they've been playing, they're going to win that game. I think the Falcons win. I think they put up 42 points. I think they're going to put up 42 points against the Patriots. I think it's going to be 42 to 34. I think it's an eight-point win. 42-34 Falcons, you heard it here first. Um, I mean, the only thing that's going to work against them is the experience of the Patriots. Yeah, they've been there, as we know, multiple times, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. So, I'm gonna go with the Falcons on this one. Mark it down, and if I if I'm wrong, I will <laughs> I'll own up to it. Um, I mean, it happens from time to time, but I mean, most of the time I'm right. And this is gonna be a nice transition into the next segment of the show. I'm gonna ruffle some feathers with this one. On the field. So Tom Brady's going to his seventh Super Bowl, looking for his fifth ring. And the discussion keeps coming up whether or not he's the greatest of all time. Is he the greatest to play the game? And Earl Thomas had a, had a nice little tweet that he sent out on the 14th of January. And I'm going to read you that tweet that he uh, posted on social media. He said, Tom Brady has the easiest route. Put his bleep in our division and see what he does. Hashtag salty. Now... When that first came out, it was like every Tom Brady supporter acted like they were Terrell Owens. And if you do that, it's really unfair. It's really unfair. It's my team. It's my quarterback. And if you guys do that, man, it's unfair. But is it unfair, T.O.? Is it really unfair to at least pose the question that if Tom Brady was in a different division, if he wasn't set up in the same system, would he or would he not have the same success? Can we not make that question? Can we not make that uh, debate happen? I mean, it's like when Tom Brady's name comes up and someone questions whether or not he's the greatest of all time, it's like everyone acts like he's a godlike figure and that we're using his name in vain and that we're not allowed to make that argument. But it's the exact same argument that people use for LeBron James. Oh, LeBron plays in the Eastern Conference. It's weak. He would never have seen so many NBA finals if he had to go through the gauntlet that is the Western Conference, the Steph Currys, the Klay Thompsons, the Kevin Durants, the the Chris Pauls, the the entire Spurs organization, the Kawhi Leonards through the playoffs every single season. Uh, He would never have made it to the finals that many times. I mean, they say it about LeBron. Why can't we say it about Tom Brady? Why can't we? I mean, Earl Thomas made a statement, and I'm pretty sure his, his statement was regarding the defenses in that division, okay? 
he was his his tweet was regarding the defenses. If Tom Brady faced those same defenses, he wouldn't see the same success. Is there validity to that statement? Probably not this season. I mean that the the entire NFC West has been pretty weak this year as far as their defenses are concerned. Even the Seahawks were kind of iffy here and there. But I mean he has a he has a point if you're looking at the defenses in the past five to seven years. I mean just three years ago before the Niners imploded, they were a top five defense and a top five offense. I mean, it's, that's tough. And, and when you're playing in, in a tough division, that's, you play each division opponent two times every season. That's two, two times every, that's six games that you have to play in the division against tough opponents. And that's what his, his, his argument is. But I want to make an argument about the quarterbacks that Tom Brady faces. Okay. Um, now, keep in mind, any fan of the NFL understands that it's a quarterback-driven league. Very rarely do you see a team win a Super Bowl without at least a good quarterback. I mean, there's a few here and there. Like, you got the Trent Dilfers, and I think Brad Johnson even had one. Um, I mean, heck, Eli Manning, I'm going to get a lot of <laughs> – if I even put his name out there, I'll get in trouble for that one. So, uh, But, no, Eli Manning's he's a good quarterback. I just definitely don't think he's – elite by any means um but no i mean you have like the trent dilfers and the brad johnsons and that's just they're those are the rare ones okay but typically your team has to have a a good quarterback to to win a super bowl okay and so the nfl is a quarterback driven league i just want to make for argument's sake a point to show you the quarterbacks that tom brady has faced in his division since 2001 just just hear me out here for the Bills, here's the Bills quarterbacks since 2001. Alex Van Pelt, Drew Bledsoe, Kelly Holcomb, J.P. Lossman, Trent Edwards, Ryan Fitzpatrick, E.J. Manuel, Kyle Orton, Tyrod Taylor. Here's the New York Jets. Vinny Testaverde, Chad Pennington, Brooks Bollinger, Brett Favre, Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Here's the Dolphins. Jay Fiedler, A.J. Feely, Gus Farratt, Joey Harrington, Cleo Lemon, Chad Pennington, Chad Henney, Matt Moore, and Ryan Tannehill. Those are the quarterbacks he gets to face two times a season on each team. So you get to face your division opponent two times each. That's six games. That's who you get. He doesn't have to face the Matt Ryans, the Drew Brees. Heck, I'll even throw Tony Romo in there. And he's not even, well, to some, might not even be elite, but I say he's a great quarterback. He doesn't have to face those guys. The Aaron Rodgers, he has Peyton Manning and, and Big Ben, who basically are his, his main competition in the AFC. So... Say what you want, but there is some some questions that go there. Is it his fault of who he plays for? No. I mean, he got put on a team in a system that works for him. But I think a lot of credit needs to go to Bill Belichick over Tom Brady. I really do. Bill Belichick can, can get these guys over to his team. He can get these receivers that work well in the system, these no-name receivers for very cheap <coughs> Hogan, and get them to flourish in that system. Tom Brady just has to execute, which he does very well. 
I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. He's obviously elite, but I do believe that had he faced some other competition throughout his career, he may not have seen so many, so many Super Bowls. And all I know is, it is I'll, I'll quote my cousin. My cousin told me last week, I totally agree with this, had Tom Brady been facing Aaron Rodgers last week on that Texan squad, instead of Brock Osweiler, he would have been watching the AFC Championship from home. There's no doubt about it. With the Texans' defense playing as well as they did the entire game, if they had one quarterback that could actually execute and stop getting three and outs and could hit a simple slant pass, he would not have won that game straight up. So there is some validity to that argument. You make the call. Is Tom Brady the greatest of all time? Possibly. But there is a, an argument to be made that he needs to that, that we can bring up that that shows that he didn't play the quarterbacks that were elite throughout his entire career. So there may be an easier path. So before we jump on him and say it's unfair and freak out about Earl Thomas's statement, we need to pull those covers off the bed. We need to look at it and dissect it. You make the call, but I say that there is some validity to that statement. Now, one thing I can give Tom Brady a lot of credit for is the fact that he takes care of himself. Tom Brady has a diet and a workout routine and just an overall healthy lifestyle that allows him to compete at an elite level at the age of 39. And he's probably going to go for another three or four years, and he's going to continue to be elite. I give him credit. Not a lot of people can do that. Not a lot of people can take care of their bodies the way that Tom Brady's taking care of his. So give him credit. I mean, as a, as a father now, that I have a five-month-old boy, I can tell you right now, my body definitely hasn't been taken care of in the last five months, and I'm struggling just to get back to where I was. Um, give Tom Brady some credit there. And his will to win, unreal. He has a will to win. He wants to win football games. And as annoying as that can be sometimes for the Tom Brady haters like myself, you have to respect him because he wants to win football games. Um, not, not everybody is like him, though. Not everybody has that same will to win or at least the same will to take care of themselves to do what it takes to win games. Insert Johnny Manziel. Off the field. Off the field. So Johnny Manziel tweeted out last week that he's looking for an NFL comeback and he's hoping that one team will take a chance on him. And it's really sad to see what happened to Manziel after just two, two years in the NFL um, and he, he let the fame and the money get to him, and he started partying, and he couldn't stop. And you just you watched it as it was just a roller coaster ride, and it seemed like it was just it kept going down and it wasn't coming back up. There's a few loop to loops it seemed like, but it wasn't really ever coming back up. Um, what's sad though is it happens to a lot of athletes. It's not just Johnny Manziel. This is this is the most recent. I mean, we've seen Jamarcus Russell. Uh, he did it. Michael Vick went bankrupt. I mean, he had his struggles off the field, too, until he went to prison. Then he kind of cleaned himself up, and he was trying to pay back his debts. Uh, Vince Young, Terrell Owens, who you heard the soundbite of earlier, uh, to L. Owens. Those are some NFL guys. There's a, there's a big list. Uh, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield. All these guys have, have had struggles when it gets to, you know, they get the money and the fame, and they don't know what to do with it. And it's kind of sad to watch, and, and I would encourage you to – watch the ESPN documentary called Broke because that documentary will show you 
how easy it is for these guys to go broke. I honestly believe that it starts from the high school level. What I mean is from the time that these kids are, are growing up, they're going through AAU or Pop Warner, whatever it is for the sport that they're playing. I mean, their devotion is that sport. And the parents get them in those sports, and they get them with those high schools that can help them develop in that sport so that they can get that D1 scholarship. Then they get that D1 scholarship, and their time is only for the game. It's like they don't have any time to work or to do anything else. They, they go to school, and they go, and they play the, their game, and they and they – you know, they work on their craft for that sport. And then what happens is they're not used to having money. They're used to having everything paying for, paid for them. And so they get that $300,000 signing bonus. They have a mortgage to pay or a car payment that's really big. And, they, and they, they don't know what to do with it. They don't even know how to cash a check, some of them. I think it starts from an early level. I think we need to use some, some of our examples, some of these mentors, um, these professional athletes that have had success off the field to show these guys right as they're coming out of college, when they're going to the professional level, walk them through it, hold their hand and walk them through it so that they don't make the same mistakes that some of these other guys did like Johnny Manziel. Now I'm proud of Manziel for figuring it out, or at least he says he is, at least he understands that he doesn't want to throw away everything he's been doing since he was four years old, um, just for some partying as he says it. I'm happy to see that he wants to make a comeback. Will he make it in the league? Probably not. Maybe. Who knows? If a team needs him, I mean, there's some teams that need a quarterback, but is, is he even that good of a quarterback? Who knows? But at least he's taking care of himself, and he's going to try to get back in the league and, and, and go back to what he was good at. The problem is, though, is these these guys, they don't they don't just struggle with the money before like they don't have the problems at the early stage of their career it's the ones that can't handle it afterwards that's what also scares me is because they've been playing these games these these sports since they were four to six years old and let's say you're in the nfl and you and you retire by the age of 30 i mean a lot of these guys get themselves into drugs and they get themselves into trouble because they don't have that excitement anymore all they've known their entire life is that sport so for the nfl guys they've known football their entire life they get out of the sport, they don't know what to do. So they get into the drugs, they get into the violence, they don't have the good family lives, and then they end up falling out. Terrell Owens went bankrupt after football. How? How do you make millions upon millions of dollars and then have to file bankruptcy? Happens in the NBA as well, where the contracts are larger and they're all guaranteed money. When you have a lot of money, you have a lot of problems. More money, more problems. That's what they always say. But we got to look at the people like Shaquille O'Neal. And a lot of other athletes, they, they, a lot of guys want to do something with their lives after, after the game is over. And I used to be one of those guys who made fun of those athletes that went to do broadcasting after they were done playing, like Shaquille O'Neal. I was like, are you kidding me? But you know what? Good for them. Good for them for wanting to stick by the game that they love and find a way that they can still be a part of it and do something with their life. Shaquille O'Neal is a stud. I used to make fun of him. I didn't think he was made for broadcasting, but he's a stud. He got an education. He runs or owns his own businesses. He invests pretty well with his money, or so it shows in the media. And he enjoys the job that he's doing. He's hilarious. Him and Charles Barkley are absolutely hilarious, and they're enjoyable to watch. Like They're fun to watch. Good for him. What I think we need to do, though, is take the athletes like Shaquille O'Neal. There's many others. I'm just using him as an example. And let them create some sort of a program. 
get that started at an early age so these athletes don't end up doing what Johnny Manziel did in his career. If we get it started early on, then they don't have that problem going forward. Walk them through, hold their hands. Because obviously what they're doing right now, when they get into the league, they have their mentors showing them how to be a professional. It's not working. Find these guys that are successful, these famous successful athletes, bring them in and show those young guys at an early age that you can do this, this is how. But you've got to be smart about it. Teach them how to use social media appropriately. Teach them how to invest their money well. Teach them what to spend and what not to spend their money on. Teach them the important things. And then after that, let them make their own choices. I think we need to start that. It's a big problem in professional sports. So let's get that started at an early age. I think we can, if you get it early, you stop the, the growth. So just stop it at an early point. So that's all I got for you guys today. I appreciate you tuning in. Again, this is 208 Sports Review. If you want to catch the, the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or you can even go to my website of 208sportsreview.com, and the podcast will be uploaded there. I appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Leave some comments for me if you got them. Uh, we'll see you later.